Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. If you have enough discipline and enough focus, then you're able to achieve what you want to achieve. Sometimes you have to stand out to fit in. Follow your passion and the universe brings more and more gifts into your life. Find your right path and your passion and go for it. If you're worried about getting it perfect every single time, you're not going to do anything. All right, we are here today with Lisa Calzavera. She is a visual mixed media artist from Denver, Colorado. Lisa has worked as a full-time artist for about 10 years, and she has a shared space in the Sync Gallery, which is a co-op gallery in Denver's Santa Fe Arts District. Uh, Lisa shows her work in juried exhibitions, both nationally, internationally, um, and her work is a mix of representational abstract with a taste of realism thrown in. Before we begin, I want to say thanks again to the Art Institute for hosting us, having us here, the Art Institute of Colorado, where we are today. And Lisa, welcome, and thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off the podcast with an inspiration, something that inspires you, um, and that can be another artist, a piece of art. It could be music, movie, book, anything, something that you sort of carry with you that inspires you throughout using your work. Well, I don't um, really have a specific quote. Um, that I don't wake up and do a chant or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but I am always inspired by water. It's just the concept of water. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's powerful. It uh, can bring you life. It can take life away. There's all the movement within it. And so that's just basically where I start. I love the, the power of it and how it can um, create something new and exciting. Water, are you a, like a water baby? Are you a water sign? I'm not. No? <laughs> have, you grown, have you lived by the water? Or how did the water become an inspiration for you? I think it's just, you know, I don't, I don't really have an exact answer to that. It, it, it started out when I photographed water. Okay. Um, little creeks and stuff around in the Denver area when we moved out here really um, captured something within, within me. Okay, cool. Well, let's, let's learn more about your story. Tell us kind of how you became an artist kind of walk through that history? Okay. Well, um, growing up, I actually uh, studied finance. I That was my degree. My parents would not allow me to pursue um, the arts. Uh, they felt that it was not going to be financially beneficial, and I would never move out of home. <laughs> so I got myself a job uh, doing, uh, it was actually an underwriter for an insurance company, and uh, I met my husband. Uh, we got married, and we moved out here in 1993. Um, I had three kids at the time, and that's when I pretty much started looking at the arts as a, a means of expressing myself. And I started with drawing. Um, I did portraits of people in my family, portraits of uh, different people that would ask ask me to do them. And then I moved into other mediums. Did you have an artistic flair or artistic kind of disposition as a kid did you oh yeah yeah so you always wanted to be an artist I always wanted to be an artist but my parents said no and yeah. <laughs> as every parent knows you can't make money as an artist or, or at well, least that's the story they tell us it's hard it's it's a very difficult um transition you have to start out low man on the on the totem pole mm-hmm. or whatever and it's work your way through it it's very difficult sure. and there's a lot of lean years until you become established <laughs> and I mean even now it's it's hard at times so in the intro I talked about how you work as a full-time artist you obviously didn't start off as a full-time artist. You started doing drawings and of your family and whatnot. When did, can you talk about that transition, when you transitioned from 
this is something I'm going to do for fun or as a hobby to something I'm going to sell to something this is going to be, I'm going to quit finance and this is my full-time vocation. Right. I think um, it was the fact that I had kids and I, I couldn't take a full-time job. My husband traveled a lot, so I was always responsible for them, but I always wanted to do something more. And it started out as hobbies. Mm-hmm. You take classes here and there and then just become better and better at it. And more people want your work. More people want, you know, either the portraits or paintings and and ask you to do more. And that's where it starts to become, this could actually work. This, I could make a living at this. Sure. And that was about 10 years ago when you left the finance world behind? Uh, Well, yes. (laughs) I I actually left it when we moved out here. That was in 93 and kind of just... You know, try different things out until then. Okay. How did you end up choosing the kind of art that you do? You said you did drawings first, and and tell us how you have evolved over the past 10 years. I guess because it's been such a long time, I've tried a lot of different medium. I've gone through drawing, um, not only just in charcoal and graphite, but also then colored pencil, um, explored that for a little bit. I was working in encaustics which is the colored wax, and that you melt onto substrates, either paper or wood. And I really enjoyed that. But I wanted to push it further, and the only thing that really is compatible with it is oil, oil Mm -hmm. paints. And so I took some oil classes. I didn't want to endanger myself using all the different products, and because you're using heat with that, how that, you know, can provide fumes and make you sick. So I kind of took the classes just to get that kind of background in it. Okay. Started doing the oil paintings, and that was awesome. That's when I started doing the realistic stuff. I would take photographs of interior homes. Um, this is at like a Littleton Historic Museum has uh, a farm area, mm-hmm. and they have all these reproductions of homes that were period pieces. And so I would go in, in there and uh, take pictures and then come back and paint them. And that's where I really started establishing myself as an artist. Okay. So you used photographs as a reference point then? Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're here today at the Art Institute, and you talked a little bit about taking classes. Do you have formal training other than the, the few classes that you took? Do you have like a formal training as an artist, or do you have a degree in art? I don't all? have a degree in art. Okay. I went to um, ACC, Repo Community College, okay. and just took classes here or there, whatever I felt was going to be helpful. I took um, the oil classes, I took uh, some figure drawing classes too sure. to provide some more movement in it and uh, also some watercolor classes. And you found those beneficial, I, I take it. Yeah. Oh, studying all the different kinds of things that you can play with is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way I see it. I love to play with all the different media. I think arts in general, like you talked a little bit about it, it's one of those last few sort of um, careers that you need an apprenticeship period. You need to have that period of struggle where you learn from other people and you continue to practice your technique and you get better and better versus going to school, getting the education, learning a certain craft, and then going into the world and starting within that craft. Art art seems to be one of these last holdouts for apprenticeship type of work. Oh, I, I think so. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a little bit of successes that you have along the way. You've been a full-time artist now for 10 years. Yeah. Um... When I started it, seriously, I was speaking about the, the Littleton Historic Museum. Those paintings actually won. Uh, they had own an original, was one of their open call shows, and I won Best in Show there. Oh, congrats. And so, thank you. I got my own show after that, 
once you win, they let you have, uh, I think it's a six-week show. Mm -hmm. And I produced like 70 paintings um, very quickly, put it in the show, and they loved it. And then I entered again, and I actually won from some of the new pieces that I did. I won the second year, Best in Show Again. So that's back-to-back shows. Um, So in those two years, I produced about 150 paintings, and I don't think I ever want to do that again. (laughs) What would you attribute to winning back-to-back? Like, what was it that set you apart from others that that made your work stand out? I really think it was a unique style that I was developing. Now, not necessarily unique um, to the art world. I took inspiration from Hopper, um, how he did the interiors and had the light filter through the windows. And it wasn't so much about capturing where it was, but the light within the rooms. Okay. Um, And I tried to do that uniquely kind of contemporary where the colors melded together and you had a lot of dark it really set the mood in there and it brought you to a place in time okay and i think that that was unique not only that i was trying to capture the light but also that i was doing interiors a lot of people do exteriors they do landscapes they do flowers they do people but i specifically left the rooms empty in Mm -hmm. the paintings and I think that that was different from what other people were doing at the time. You said Hopper. Edward Hopper. Edward Hopper. Okay. Just want to clarify that for the audience, for Edward Hopper. And so part of it being that your work was really different from as far as like the landscape or what you took kind of a different spin? Yes. Okay. And also it sounds like you incorporated work that you'd seen. You influenced you were influenced from Hopper. You, you took these outside influences and sort of made it your own. Do you think that's beneficial for an artist to draw on the inspiration from others? I think you really have to develop your own style, but you don't have to start right from the beginning. I mean, you don't have to figure out how to make paint. You can um, look at what other people did, take what you love out of that, mm-hmm. and then develop it into new ways um, of presenting your ideas. Sure, yeah. What about lessons that you've learned or, or something, some struggle that you had that you've overcame? Uh, well, I think all artists, you know, they apply to shows and don't get in. I mean, that's kind of devastating, especially when you're starting out. Um, but what I realized was that you don't, it's not necessarily your artwork. Mm-hmm. It just may not have fit the theme that they were going for. It may have been too large a piece, too small a piece. It doesn't mean that the piece itself was not good. And that's something that you always have to dig deep down and say, I'm, I'm okay. Just because I didn't get in, it doesn't mean it was a bad piece. Sure. So I think, you know, that's, that's something that's hurtful, but it does. And I think critiques sometimes, um, I shouldn't say critiques, I should say criticisms. Some people criticize your work without trying to give you any helpful advice. Mm-hmm. They just kind of bash this is bad. it. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think you have to be very careful when you listen to people. Are they trying to help you? Or are they, do they have a different agenda? Right, right. And I think uh, you also have to take that with a grain of salt, depending on the source. If it's someone who's an instructor or a learned artist that's, that's a, a master, like their piece of advice or their, their criticism could be a critique versus if it's just someone who doesn't like your work. Exactly. They just don't like your work and that's nothing against you. Right. Right. I mean, uh, it's like anything. You have food. So many different choices of food. Just because you don't like Indian or Thai or something like that, because maybe it's too spicy for you, it doesn't mean that that's bad food. Right. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with artwork. Some people don't relate to abstracts. They want it to be a story, a picture, 
something that they can relate to, it doesn't mean that abstracts are bad. So it's just, it's in what people have as a comfort level on their own individual basis. Sure. You talked about um, entering into shows or, or exhibitions and not getting in. Do you have any idea of the ratio of how many you've entered versus how many you got in and how many you got denied? Um, it's low. <laughs> I've gotten into a lot of shows. Um, there's only maybe been one or two that I was rejected from. And it, I think basically I started new styles to see if they would be accepted. Okay. And it didn't have the appeal from, from that perspective. What would you say is a key for someone who, who is applying to a show? Like what's one thing they could do to not guarantee, but to really kind of help them get a better chance of selection? Well, I think the first thing is find out what they're looking for. If they are trying to only show contemporary work, then make sure your stuff is contemporary and sure. don't show them something that's, you know, old world or whatever. The other thing is follow the instructions. I mean, you have to be responsible as an artist and present your work in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, don't bring in dented frames, you know, uh, make sure it has hanger on the back. Follow the rules, and that makes it a lot easier to get in. As far as the actual work, I think it's, it's then up to the juror or the committee that would accept it or reject it. Okay. And that's, that's based on their personal experiences and if they can connect to that piece of artwork that you're submitting. Right, right. You talked about uh, you started off doing drawings, and then your work has evolved. And, and when I first saw your work, you had 2D drawings, and then you had sculptures and, and 3D pieces. Uh, can you talk about that evolution? How did you evolve? Yeah, um, it went from the oil painting and then uh, studied the different other mediums. Uh, I should say media. And I started to take the shapes that were in the realistic forms and to simplify them down and just mix them up and and change things and they became more and more abstract. I really love this. Um, I went from all indoor scenes to outdoor scenes, did landscapes. And the whole thing was based on shape then, where I had mostly focused on light. Then I was focusing on shape and color and creating these dreamy kind of places. Once that was established, I started playing with Fluid acrylics, which is where that we lead back to that water. Um, really loved how if you take a canvas and you throw water on it and then you put your colors on it, it'll all meld together. Mm-hmm. And you lose that control, but it forms patterns and things that you then slowly work into compositions. And I liked the improvisation of that. And then to finish off the artwork was where the skill came in, Mm -hmm. that you could actually make something that was compositionally correct. When you say fluid acrylics, what do you mean by that? It's a type of acrylic that, um, I mean, most of the paints that you see come out of the tubes. Right. This is actually in a liquid form. Okay. So it's either fluid acrylic or it's also called high flow. And that's what they use in um, the paint gun things. Right. Right. So uh, it just it flows all over the place. Okay. It's, it's more like a watercolor, but it's permanent color. So where watercolor would lift up after sure. you retouched it, this forms a permanent seal on it. Okay. And then you can layer it. And then from, from there, the paintings then were inspirations for the clay pieces that I do. So I would take a particular color that kind of wove through and I would make a sculpture from that. Right. Using those, I would sometimes use templates or 
whatever I needed to to accomplish that. And you talked about clay pieces. The last show that you did, I saw these pieces, and I thought it was like a resin of some kind. They're, they're brilliant colors. They're, they're very bright and very shiny and glossy. Mm-hmm. Would you mind talking a little bit about that process and sure. how you came up with that? They are based on clay. The coating that you see on top of it is a resin coating. And you can take resins, you pour them together, and color them. And that, then you pour that on top of the clay. So that's why it has that really, really shiny effect. Mm. The clay that I use is uh, self-drying, self-curing clay. I don't have to use a kiln. Okay. Um, but you have to work fast. These you're you're mixing the products together, and they set up within six hours. So anything you sculpt has to be done within that amount of time. Okay, it'll be dry. <laughs> yeah, it'll dry. You can go you can go back into it, and you can carve it, sand it, you know, make some changes to it, but the actual form is going to stay the same. Now, is this like a monotone clay, like a black, like a gray clay, traditional? Um, it does come in colors. I normally work with the gray clay and the black clay. And sometimes I mix the two <laughs> and get gray, grayer. <laughs> grayer or less gray. Yes. What's something that you find most challenging about your artwork or being an artist? Um, I think staying organized is a big factor. That's, that's very difficult when you have, for me, I have so many different ways I like to express myself. And so I have canvases and I have wood and I have dozens of different watercolors, oils, and it's trying to keep that all organized and express myself, use the right material to express what I'm trying to do. How do you make that decision? What is the right material? Well, you start out and if it doesn't work, then you use something else. (laughs) Then switch to something else? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think... Fair enough. Yeah, it's... If I want a more liquid, impromptu kind of stuff, I will use the liquid watercolor acrylics if I wanted to really take my time and do something more structured then I use the oils because they don't set up right away I have time to make changes mm-hmm. um, but you do lose that spontaneity do you have, do you work in a studio I work in my home so the the cooperative the sink gallery is a cooperative gallery but it's just a show space right There's it just is a the space show space show. yes have you ever had a studio outside of the home no. I've tried to share studio space, but unfortunately, some of the materials that I work with have to have certain environments. Um, when you're doing resins, it has to have lots of ventilation so that it doesn't make you sick. And it also has to be dust-free because uh, the dust will stick to it and right. you'll have tiny imperfections into it. Do you wear a clean suit? Well, like I, don't have to, I don't do exactly <laughs> like that, but I do <laughs> section off an area where it is um, pretty clean. Okay. All right. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's starting out as an artist? I think when you're starting out, you you have to find something within yourself that is a constant and that you want to express. Mm-hmm. You can't always listen to other people and say, well, that's not good, that's not good, or you should paint this way or that way, because they're telling you what they like and what they want you to do. And I think that you have to be true to yourself and everyone has a voice and something to say. And I think that's where, you know, trying all the different things is great. But what is it that you're really trying to say? And how can you best express that? Right. So you need to persevere with that and really, you know, do some soul searching and, and find out what you really like and what you want to say. How do you, how do you find that out? Oh, practice. Practice. Uh, trying different things. When you're quiet and things are coming together, that's when you know what's right. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you should be jumping from thing to thing, but what 
you don't know until you try it if it's going to feel right to you. Right, right. So get out and try. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Go out and do it. Yeah. What about the concept of uh, artists? That no, no one specifically comes to mind just yet. I was thinking about it. But like there are certain artists that they come up with a style or they come up with kind of a, a hook, if you will. And that's what they focus on. And all their work kind of represents that versus, and that's what we talked about before we started recording is the artist who paints this exact same sort of style over and over again. And that's what they're known for versus um, the artist who continually evolves. And I think everybody as an artist continually evolves, but like you start out doing drawings when you were younger, when you first got into it and then you've evolved and, and you're now doing a mix of, of 2D art, 3D art, sculptures, paintings. How, talk about that evolution. Is it better to stick with one thing or? Well, when I was doing the Littleton series, and that was very representational, I think you reach a point where I had done 150, close to 200 paintings. What I was trying to say had, had been said. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make that any better. Um, I couldn't state it any differently, and I wanted to find another way to express how I was feeling. And so I think that as far as picking another topic or another um, place where you want to go with your artwork has to be something personal, and how you develop that, and I guess that's just by trying other other things. But sure. yeah, there's there comes a time when it's the end of the series, and you know it. You, you just can't say anything <laughs> more, and so you develop and start looking into other other things that you can explore. Do you have like a little thing that you'll put in every piece that is like kind of like your visual representation? Is there like a little something that we look at and go, oh yeah, this is a Lisa piece here? I did a lot of the high contrast. I just love how the lighting competes with each other. You mm-hmm. have the light, the dark. In the recent show that I was doing, I used high ca- contrast um, colors, purple and yellow, and that makes everything kind of pop. Sure. So I think it's continuation of that, but I think as an artist, I just keep evolving into different things. And I think based on all the series that I've done, it's shape. The shape is has been continuous. I always base everything off of shape, and it's not necessarily exact. Mm-hmm. I like the competing shapes. You talked about uh, series. Do you always do your work in series, m- multiples, or you ever do a one-off piece and be like, I'm done with that, I don't want to f- continue that style? Oh, yeah. You, you can try different things, and if it doesn't work, then, of course, you drop that. But I do like to try working on at least six pieces at the same time and make it cohesive so that they kind of fall together as a group and they can de- be developed into something more than just individual pieces. I think that that kind of sets a mood, sets a, a more of a story, mm-hmm. if you can do more than one piece at a time. Here at the Art, Art Institute, uh, most of the programs are more technical, if you will. Like right now, we're in a sound booth for sound engineering. Um, it's not more of, it's not the fine art kind of thing that you would have at a fine art school. But what I'm curious is how you made that transition from, I'm doing this for family and friends and it's fun and I'm selling a few pieces here and there to this is full-time, I'm going to be making my living as an artist. I think that happened when I started doing the juried shows. And I would submit the work out there. Other people would see it. Other artists would come up to me and say, hey, you got to get into this gallery or that gallery because your work is really good. You should at least you know, talk to them about it. Um, after I completed that first series, there was a gallery that called me and said, we love your work. We, will, we want you to bring out some pieces and see if they sell. And 
I mean, they sold immediately. So it yeah. was it was a wonderful connection there, and I did business with them for for some time. Uh, just to clarify, were you sort of like a um, a housewife role, and doing the art on the side, and and allowed that to build up? So you didn't have to to go out and work as a full time uh, wage earner. No, my husband had an excellent job and. He traveled a lot, and that's where, you know, I got downtime. I got to do what something What am I going to do, that. right? What am I going to do when he's gone? I guess yeah, I'll do some art. had the kids all day. I really, really need to, you know, de-stress here. And so drawing and painting was, was a perfect thing because you could do it for a short time, let it dry, next day come back to it. It wasn't something that you had to continually work at all sure. day long. Sure, sure. Now, I don't ever want to bash any kind of exhibition form, but... You're in galleries, you show in galleries and do juried exhibitions. Have you ever thought or ever tried doing kind of the arts festival circuit? Oh, I did outdoor shows. You did? Yeah. So uh, you talk a little bit about that, that experience? Did not like it. No, why was that? Well, when you set up tents and stuff, they're usually either in the field or on the pavement, you know, in a parking lot, pavement, uh, no level surfaces, wind, rain, just pure craziness. Dealing with the elements. Um. Did not like that. Uh, paintings got ruined. It, mm. it just, it wasn't for me. I mean, I, for some people, it's wonderful, and that's really where they make a lot of money Yeah. because they uh, reach a large audience. But for me, I could not stand losing pieces or dealing with the wind. And Sure. I've had my tent literally come up off the ground and blow across a field. Oh, yeah. And so that kind of experience kind of sets you back and say, maybe this isn't for me. Okay, okay. Let me go a little deep here. Why should we care about art? Well, in my opinion, art is a way to communicate with other people. And um, we're trying to express our feelings or express something. For instance, you know, you see a flower and it's beautiful and I want to, you know, show you how I see the colors or the shapes. Um, and it's a way to tell our own story. Mm -hmm. And that's how we relate to other people. And if other people like that, that's wonderful. I mean, you make new friends that way. <laughs> sure. It's also, you know, you've found a way to express yourself. So I think everybody needs to have a bit of that positive ways to express it. Okay. Do you, um, have you ever had commission pieces? Oh, yeah. 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 I do a lot of commissions uh, for businesses. Corporations want something for their entryways or um, the hotels and stuff will ask for pieces that okay. they can reproduce in each of the rooms. Sure. How do you get how did how did you get started in that? Uh one of a couple of the consultants saw my work at one of the galleries and said, "Would you be interested in submitting some pieces and we'll show them to the different businesses and see what see what we can do." Do you do you have a rep? Not necessarily one <laughs> one specific person, but I work with a number of consultants. Okay. Consultant consultant. How is that different than like an artist rep? Basically, they're working on specific projects. Okay. So they'll go to um, hotels, they'll go to hospitals, and they'll have a budget of what they can spend and how many pieces that they need. Okay. And they will work with all different kinds of artists, sculptural people, paintings, fabric artists, and combine this into a whole um, ensemble that then, let's just say the uh, hospital would approve. Mm -hmm. And that's how, you know, they're not just representing you. They're representing groups. Okay. So they're more working for the business versus working for you directly as the artist. Right. They're just pulling you in because they like their work and they think your work would be 
shown well. It'll the, fit their needs. Yeah, yeah. It'll fit what style they're going for, okay. and that's why they call you. And you, they, you originally contacted or originally approached by a consultant because they saw your work at a show? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. What do you hope to give to the world as an artist? Well, I think the pieces that I make let you get in touch with yourself. I think that uh, some of them are happy, some of them are energetic, and if I can touch one person that way mm-hmm. and make their life a little bit easier because they have a piece of my artwork, I think that that would be a great thing. I mean, if they come home and they feel better because they look at the painting, then that's a positive experience for them. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit at the beginning about inspiration. You talked about water. Mm-hmm. I want to get specific. Who are three artists that inspire you? And they don't need to be visual artists or painters or okay. sculptors. They could be musicians or Well, I think we or... talked earlier about Edward Hopper mm-hmm. and how he set the stage, so to speak. He did okay. all the lighting. And yep. that, was, that was a big inspiration when I started out earlier. And then I think the next person would be Chuck Close. He did a series of paintings that um, the subject matter was divided into squares. And then he painted each square three different colors. Mm-hmm. When you looked at it from a distance, it formed a people's face or an object. Mostly he did a lot of people. And I studied uh, his technique for a while when I was learning color and how the eye optically blends it. And I learned so much that way. And it helped me develop my own style in, in the colors. Okay. And then I think the last person who... I've really enjoyed looking at the work is Chihuly, yeah, the glass sculpture. And I think that's also going back to the color because he uses color phenomenally. I love um, how he combines the different um, contrasting colors in the pieces. He uses very organic forms. But in some of the pieces, the visual displays, he uses light mm-hmm. along with the color. Uh, and he puts them on the ceiling, and they go through and shine lights, and the floor is just a phenomenal cascade of colors and shapes. And I think that that's inspired me to use a lot more color within my work and to use the media that I have in different ways. Okay. With the resins and stuff, I try to, you know, use the different colors to create different um, depth. Sure, sure. Uh, with Chihuly, now, without getting into a lot of controversy, there he has controversy around him because from what I've heard and read, he doesn't create most of his work these days. He has a, a minions of people that do it for him. You create all your own work, I assume. I do. What, and what are your thoughts on that as an artist? Is that still an artist who has someone else create their work for him? Is he still an artist? I think it's a, it's a personal question that each individual would have to say. How much uh, did he contribute to it? Did he do the design? There are artists out there who, you know, basically draw it out and send it to a manufacturer and then it comes back and they say, there's my artwork. I think that each individual has to decide. Is that his, or, I I mean, I don't have the exact answer, but I personally feel that if, if you're creating it, you create it. Yeah. But there's, I mean, even when you do a bronze piece, Unless you're doing all that firing yourself and have all the equipment to do it, you're actually trusting somebody else to do it. So there's some sure. things that you really can't do on your own unless you have all the equipment um, and 
a lot of money Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to handle that as well. But I think it's a personal choice uh, for each individual if they're going to purchase a piece, whether they feel it was, you know, I, th- I think designs are, are just as acceptable. Um, but for me, for me personally, the pieces that I make are 100% me yeah of course i don't make the paint so i mean <laughs> if we go back to that i canvas. actually bought the paint i bought the canvas yeah and so i mean there are levels sure absolutely art's very subjective as we as we will all agree what um what moves you when you see a piece of art that's a really good question when i see a piece of art there has to be a, a personal connection to it either i appreciate it because I understand how hard it was to create. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that distinction. Or the materials were represented in a new way that I hadn't seen before. Or it's a subject matter that somehow I connect with. Uh, it could be, you know, a small child or something like that. And you're like, oh, I remember when my kids were little or something where you internalize that mm-hmm. and connect with it. Okay. Connection. Yes. Well, what do you think holds most artists back from becoming professionals or full-time or even just the best artists they could be? Fear. Fear of being rejected. Fear of being criticized. It's really hard when you put yourself out there. Um, You put your work there and people say, I don't like it. You know, that's stupid. Or I could do better. Or my three-year-old could do better. Mm -hmm. Those are very kind of hurtful comments. And they're not constructive. It It doesn't help the artist except to become defensive. Right. So that's very difficult way. And that's why a lot of people probably aren't artists because they don't want somebody to say, well, that looks stupid. So, um, but I mean, if you really feel strongly about your pieces, I think you should persevere and continue to work and continue to develop. Um, Look for people who will give you constructive criticisms and critiques instead of, you know, trusting someone who doesn't really take the time to understand your work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of artists that I talk to speak about critiques. And I know for me personally, I had that same experience um, doing as a photographer, uh, having critiques with my peers. I found it to be uh, really powerful. And I was always kind of that same way. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to hear somebody say something negative about my work because it's my work and I like it. And so that's all that matters. But hearing those critiques that are not a criticism, hearing a critique that, that comes across as maybe you could try this or how about, you know, have you ever thought about doing this or, you know, I like this aspect of it, but maybe if you change this aspect of it. I personally found those very uh, beneficial for me. Um, and I think you probably had the same experience. Oh, yeah. I, um, go, I consistently go to critiquing classes. Oh, you do? Where there's a group of us that go and take a look at, at whatever you're working on and tell you, you know, um, for instance, uh, I was doing encaustic paintings, they were landscapes, and I would take the wax and I would melt it into what I thought were like bushes, little tiny bushes, and they were coming out of the rocks and everything. I thought they were really cool. One person looked at them and said, there's a bunch of spiders crawling all <laughs> over. And I'm like, gosh, I didn't see that. Yeah. I never interpreted it that way. And had they not told me, I would continue to do that and not realize that that's what other people saw. So I, I think that that's really important um, in, in the work that I'm doing now. You know, you want your focus to be on a, a specific area, you know, your point of interest. And people will look at it and say, you know, the people who could really critique it can say, my eye's going here, my eye's going there. Tone that one down, and then you'll get 
the effect that you want. Mm -hmm. And so that's criticisms that's very helpful. And I think that every artist should search somebody out who they can discuss their artwork with because when you're sitting in your studio at home or wherever you're creating, it gets uh, myopically focused on your artwork. Sure, sure. And you don't have other people's interpretations of what you're doing. And I think that that is important, that you can see it from other people's perspectives. How did you get involved in a, a critique group? Um, it was one of my friends uh, had asked me to take some classes with her, and uh, I found these people just to be delightful. Mm-hmm. They uh, help you out in ways that is a safe environment where you don't get the really harsh criticisms. Even if you have something that is negative, you try to present it in a positive way. It also helps you talk about artwork um, on other platforms, too. When people come into the gallery, I can explain my artwork a lot better to them just because I've talked about it and trying to explain what I'm trying to present. Sure. So so that's helpful, too, and it, it just increases your knowledge of the arts in general. Earlier you said it's hard to not get defensive when someone gives you a critique or, or a criticism. Have you developed any sort of techniques to prevent that defensiveness or to sort of keep that defensiveness at bay? I think I think so. I think you just ask yourself, what are they trying to say? You know, if it's something that from the genuine person wants to help and they're just giving you the opinion, that's a good thing. You also have to ask yourself, are they right? Yeah. I mean... Sometimes looking they are. at the source as well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, you you look at it as like, well, I didn't see it that way. But there's also, you know, that wasn't my interpretation. There's times when you can defend and times when you shouldn't. But you should. I think you should always take a step back. And that's one thing that I do with a lot of my artwork is I put it aside. I'll mm-hmm. paint it, let it dry, put it aside for a week or two, and then come back to it, because then you have fresh eyes on it. You're not focused on specific areas. It it just Seeing it fresh does help, and I think that's where using the critique, there are fresh eyes on yeah, it. And yeah, if you sure. value that, then that's uh, a good way to do it. Do you, do you always do that, where you put a piece aside and then come back to it later? I like to, yes. If I have the time, I will do that. Yeah. And that also tells you whether you feel you're done or not. You know? Are you ever really done as an mm, artist? <laughs> you have to be at certain points when you're doing shows. You have to you right. know, finish the piece, get it out there. It's not to say that you can't go back. And rework a piece. Many of the pieces I've gone back into later on after a show or after I've had it out there and make some changes. Something, sometimes something just irritates you. Sure. You know, it could be a little dot in the corner. It could be this, this is too dark here. And you start to lighten it up and it just feels refreshed then. So it's not to say that you can't go back into it, but you should always take some time and some space from it uh, because you see many different things in it later. Sure. Unless you're George Lucas, and and then the fans hate that you changed Star Wars. Yes, well, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but he did the same thing. He saw it, and he was like, "This could be improved upon." And I, you know, now the technology is here to do the things that I really wanted to do originally that I couldn't do. Right. So, as an artist, I I applaud the fact that he did that. It's, it was his creation to do what he wanted to do with it. So, exactly. Yeah. Now, deep question here: If you had sixty seconds with twenty-year-old Lisa, what kind of advice would you give her, and why? Okay. Uh, breathe. 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 Take some time. Don't be so focused on the future. Enjoy the time that you have and mm-hmm. the experiences that you're having because I think the future happens really, really quick. 
And if you don't enjoy the moments that you're having, then you miss it and yeah. you can't go back. So I think, I think it's definitely take the time and enjoy what you have. I think there's a big uh, movement today for the, the whole idea of being present. Of, mm-hmm. And, and um, that's such a simple yet very difficult concept to wrap our brains around because our brains are not present. No. We're thinking about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow. As an artist, when you are painting or sculpting, or are you present then? Definitely. You're most present, yeah. Definitely. I think in my, my landscapes, mostly, because I do, I sketch them out and I paint them slowly. And each day you can just see them developing. And there's just an overwhelming feeling that there's a sense of peace in them. And even though a lot of them are powerful with movement, there's also that stillness. And because you've captured just one moment of that powerfulness within the, the water or the mountains. And I think that, that that's present in the paintings that I do from the fluid acrylics. You have to be present because it's all happening in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pouring over the side or it's mixing the wrong way. And you have to be able to react quickly but you're looking specifically at it and you're watching it develop, which is really an awesome thing to see something come about so quickly. Sure. And uh, just watch it create itself almost. That's, that sounds a lot like uh, being in the dark room back in the day. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think most photographers today, they, they miss out on that, that piece of, of watching it develop, watching that image come, come through. Yeah, I took a photography class back in high school and I know exactly the moment you put it into the solution and it pops up and it's like, wow, that is just so cool. And yeah. Yeah. Here at the Art Institute, they have a dark room upstairs. One of the last few campuses within the Art Institute college that has that has a dark room in it. And I, I think it's it's important to always kind of have that fundamental base mm-hmm. and because it gives you something to build off of as yes. you grow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a it's great for studying the composition too. Getting that basic focus down and getting a solid base is is a leaping point then. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you working on today? So what's up next for Lisa? What's uh, exciting you today? Well, I always have different ideas. I think that's probably part of my problem too is that I jump from one thing to the next because I have so many ideas and it's hard to harness that down and actually complete some of these projects. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking about doing, well, of course I'll do some more landscapes and go back to that because mm-hmm. that is what I sell a lot of for the corporations and consultants. But I've tried to come up with some additional concepts. The first one um, is thinking about uh, how people are on a lot of social media today and all the comments and stuff that they make. And there was a study done, I'm not quite sure uh, who did it, but they took all of the words that people use in media today and developed a picture of uh, how frequently certain words were used. Sure. Some of them appeared larger, some of them appeared in different colors. And it kind of encapsulated that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I think if you did that for somebody who like post on Facebook or whatever, and you took all of their words and combined it down into something that told you what was most important to them. And then you can develop that into, oh, uh, a painting, if you use certain colors to represent certain words, or if you use certain symbols. And that could encapsulate somebody's year in time, month in time, or mm-hmm. whatever, and gives them a good picture of who they are. 
I think something like that, and I would call it layers of life. And I think that that would be very interesting to do for people. Um, and again, just in concept, <laughs> this is something <laughs> I think stages. about. Yes, yeah. but I think you could do it very abstractly and that people would connect with it because it is a part of them. It's everything that's important to them that they spoke about, like within the last week or the last month. Sure. And especially if something really important happened to them, a wedding or a birth of a baby or something like that, could capture that for them in a way that it hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. So there's that concept. Um well, you talked about social media. I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you're, you're an older artist. You talked about having kids and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how, um, how much is social media, or how much do you use social media in, in uh, getting your art out there? I don't use it enough. I, I really dread that. That's not, that's not who I am. I have a very difficult time sharing my feelings with thousands of people. Sure. I like to you know, tell a select fl- few how I'm feeling, but to share all of the ups and downs of my day, I just, I, I, I'm not that social. Right, right. But my family tells me I have to do things. So there's certain things that I will post um, about. To post your work online? New pieces, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, get that information out there to people. And I am trying, <laughs> trying <laughs> to do more. Sometimes I just have my kids post it for me. I just send them into my account and just post this because and say something nice. <laughs> right, right. That's what you need. You need one of your kids to be your social media I do, advisor. I do. I hire them out just so that I can get that information out there. Because as an artist, you are extremely busy. Yeah. You have to be able to market yourself. You have to do all the accounting and the filing of the taxes and getting all of your product and, you know, your supplies you have to organize all this. You have to put it someplace. You have to get pictures here and there so that uh, people know about your artwork, the consultants or galleries or whatever. You have a litany of things that have to be done. And so that just doesn't, the social media doesn't fit in there yet. It will. It will. I'm pushing myself. <laughs> oh, good. I'm right. giving right. myself new goals, and that's one of them. Good, good. Well, on social media, on that topic, how can people get a hold of you? I do have a website. It's www dot a pretty painting.com a pretty painting.com pretty painting.com okay and i don't think i have internet here in the room i didn't connect but i bet if they googled you yes you have a pretty unique name if you <laughs> even if you did lisa calzavera.com it'll take you to the web page okay okay so you could google lisa calzavera or go straight to a pretty painting.com yes find you um get a hold of you send you an email see your work exactly there. yep Cool. Is there anything, last words, last bits of advice, anything you want to share, anything you're working on? Um, maybe just take time for yourself and relax once in a while because everybody's forging forward so quickly. Um, sometimes just sitting back and relaxing is, is a good thing to do. Self-reflection. I like that. Take time for yourself and mm-hmm. self-reflection. That's a good way to end it. And uh, thank you, Lisa, for being on the show. And I want to again thank the Art Institute of Colorado for hosting us today and letting us come in and 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 converse and talk about the arts. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks. All right, that wraps up another edition of the Crave Magazine podcast. The funky music for this episode was brought to you by Texas Radio Fish. And for those of you in the Colorado Front Range area in 
early 2018, you can check out Lisa's work from January 19th through the 22nd of April at the Foothills Art Center in Golden, Colorado. And she will have a solo show at the Sink Gallery located in the Art District on Santa Fe in Denver from June 14th to July 14th. I'll also have those dates in the show notes as well at cravemagazinedenver.com. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I'm on a mission to bring art back to the world. And with your help, we can make that happen. So please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. So tell us how we can improve. Remember, always be good to one another. And of course, take time to feed your soul with art. Oh,